Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Episode 128, How to Approach and Control Emotional Spending with Leslie Tane. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Mm, Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And we have an epic, epic episode today that Mm. I truly believe will be one of our most played episodes for sure. It is great. We're recording this after having done the interview, so we can say confidently that this is a really great episode. Yeah. So not only is it on a topic that every single person and their mom deals with emotional spending, um, but we're covering how to, how to approach it before, during, after, all of all over the spectrum of it. And so mm-hmm. everyone will get something out of today's episode. Even if you think that you don't emotional spend, you might be surprised. You will be surprised. Yes. We will surprise you. Yeah. That's the goal. Good. <laughs> but first, let's talk about some sponsors. Also brought to you by reining it in. Whether your spending has gotten a little out of control or maybe you're being too loud at the store about how outrageous the prices are and your friend keeps shushing you. You got to rein it in. Grab that situation by the reins and just pull it back a little. Mm. So wise. There's so many situations that could require reining it in. I love reins. Reining, you know, reining it in. Yeah. I'm known for being too loud at places. and Don't I know it. And then people love to tell me to take a chill pill, Jill. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was something that was said to me as a child, and I did not like it. Yeah. I mean, live your best life, Jillian. (laughs) Be who you are at the volume you you need to be. Thank you. I can be responsible for myself and rein myself in. Yes, with no pills needed. Or shushing. For sure. And... Let's transition from that into (laughs) this really saucy episode. So we've got Leslie Tane on the show today. Uh, She is a New York-based debt settlement attorney, and she has 
nearly 20 years experience um, in consumer and business financial debt-related services. So she's really smart, highly accomplished in negotiation and settlements. She's gone up against large national banks, credit unions, collection agencies. Like she's so legit. And we are, she's talked to so many people in debt. She's seen so much. And so a big part of that, obviously, for people in debt is credit card consumer debt that is a direct result of emotional spending. So Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. She's got such a good perspective on this and works with people all the time who find themselves in difficult financial situations as a result. So I think her perspective is, is really amazing. So listen up. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. And we're super excited to talk about emotional spending. I can't believe that we haven't talked about it more, but it is something that people ask about a lot or have like a lot of trouble with. So this is going to be a really great conversation and hopefully people will leave having a little more power over their emotional spending. Leslie, let's get right into it. Can you define like emotional spending, like what it is, what it is for you? Sure. Emotional spending, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people don't realize that it's actually happening to them, but emotional spending is usually tied to an emotion. You're doing it for a particular reason other than a necessity. So a necessity, you have to go to the supermarket and you're buying food, but emotional spending is really tied with some sort of feeling and you're motivated to make a purchase as a result of a particular feeling. So, and sometimes with emotional spending or most of the time with emotional spending, there's an after feeling as well. Sometimes either an emptiness or a feeling of guilt or remorse. So there's an emotion when you're going to make the purchase, an emotion when you're making that purchase, and then a post emotion that's all tied to it. So it's a very emotional experience. Hmm. I like how you've delineated that, that if you're purchasing something mm-hmm. other than necessity. I think when I first heard the topic, I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I do that. And then <laughs> hearing you describe, it's like, oh, I buy things all the time that aren't necessary oh, yeah. for my life. So this is good stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. something that like I had to think about as well. Like, am, am I an emotional spender? You know, I'm so caught up in you know, I, I do this for a living. So I'm very, very focused and aware of my purchasing and spending and budgeting and money. So I had to really think, you know, is there a piece of me that might be an emotional spender when I'm understanding the definition of it? You know, not everything you purchase is a necessity. It's okay to purchase something that you want, but the question is, what's the reason behind that want? And is it something that's trying to make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Cause I only think of like, typically emotional pre-buying, like if I'm treating myself because I'm celebrating, like I'm happy or if I'm stressed. But then I don't think of like, even when it's, you know, mindless, there's still emotions that come um, during. And then especially like after so much guilt and shame when you make a like purchase out of budget or, or all of those. And I just, I like didn't really think about parts two and three of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's very, there's a lot of subconscious 
um, impact. There's a lot of things that are going on when you're making those purchases that you're actually not aware of because at the time of the purchase or when you're going to do it, you could actually talk yourself into it. You could your mind can justify anything. It can justify any purchase, a reason, you know, why you're in that place to begin with. You know, I always think like, why do I want to go to a mall? If I go to the mall, I'm just going to make purchases. So I try to think about, you know, what would be my motivation to go to the mall, but I could justify why I need to go to the mall. So your mind starts to justify why it is that you're in the place that you're in, why it is that you're going to make that purchase. And a lot of it really is, subconscious and subconscious feelings. So the whole point of the emotional spending is to become aware of why you're doing it and what the motivation is. And if the motivation is genuine, you know, it's something that you want, then it's something that you want. It's not necessarily an emotional purchase. Mm -hmm. If someone, I would imagine all of our listeners right now are like, okay, is this me? How do I figure this out? What would you say about ways to identify the emotions that are triggering the spending? So ways to identify the emotions, not being, not in the moment. So don't look at yourself like right at the second you are, say you are, you're listening to this and you're on your way to make a purchase. Now's not the time to start figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> so look, true. Look at the past, kind of go back and look at past purchases and say to yourself, so why did I buy those shoes or why did I make that purchase? Was that purchase to celebrate an achievement? Did I feel stressed on that day? You know, try to take a step back and analyze previous spending. And that might be able to provide you some insight and the reasons behind it. And you can start to think about, well, what was I thinking before that? And what was I thinking when I was there? And then how did I feel after I made the purchase? And was it something that continued to make me feel good? Or was it something that was fleeting after I made the purchase? And that's a really good way to start to identify the triggers mm. in those purchases. Mm. Oh, I love that tip. It also makes me wonder about even keeping a log as, as you go, like not, not to identify everything based off of what you're buying right now today, but kind of marking down, okay, on this day, here's how I was feeling. Did I buy anything that day? I wonder if even like journaling that kind of thing would be helpful for somebody to identify what their triggers might be. Totally. Journaling is a great way to identify emotions, period. Mm -hmm. And there's so many benefits to journaling. It's you, There's so many benefits. But if you're looking at it from an emotional spending perspective, if you start journaling what you've been doing, then you can read back. You can go back and say look at what's happened that day. Maybe you had an interaction with a family member that was negative or you had a very stressful day at work or you know something else was going on that you may not be so conscious about at the time. But when you take a step away from it and you can go back to say your journal, which really does help jog your memory as to what's gone on. I mean, think about our lives. They're so busy and there's so much information being shot at us all the time. It's hard to remember what you were feeling yesterday, the day before, even a week before. So if you journal and you start to write down the events around you're purchasing, you'll be able to identify some common denominators and some commonalities in your purchases. And by doing so, you'll then be able to see and become aware that there's something that's triggering you to do that. And then you can, once you identify that, you know, you're going to feel so, you're going to feel like a weight lifted off of you. 
But that journaling is super important. Yeah. It gives such perspective, I think, to be able to look back. We think we're going to remember what has happened in our lives, but reality is we don't. I don't remember what I ate two days ago, <laughs> similar to what you're saying, Leslie. So, and, and then being further away from that experience can help to bring new perspective and realizations and self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you make a great point. You know, we, when we first started talking, we were talking about like what what you do over the weekend. So you might talk generally about your your experiences over the weekend. I did this or I did that. But are you really talking about the feelings? And when you're journaling and you can write things down, you're in the moment and you can relive those moments again in the future, really without having to call on your memory to do that because there's there are so many things that impact our thought processes and our mindset and you would look back in your journal and see what you were thinking at that time which could be very different from what you're thinking today and that could just be a week or a month or a couple of months even think about our thinking and our thought process January and February and how that's changed dramatically March April May June and so forth yeah yeah which is why i think manually tracking your transactions when you're trying to get control of your spending is so important. And then you can just add this one little extra thing on top of it where you're like, okay, these are kind of some standout things that happened today. And then once you are identifying patterns, you can like look back on over weeks to see like how these patterns are going out, what's happening. So if you're already manually tracking your transactions, this is just like a small extra step that you can do to like get control of your spending. And it's like not that hard, just like do, you know, writing a couple sentences before you go to bed at night makes can make so much difference. Absolutely. You know, identifying your biggest and your most consistent, what we call spending triggers is super important because once you know that spending trigger, you'll become more aware of them. You'll stop and you'll think before making the purchase out of an emotion and not really the necessity. I love the whole person approach that happens here. Like I'm getting this visual of having all of your expenses listed out on on a document as well as your emotions and how your day went, how intertwining, which we are, like we are whole people and all these aspects of our personhood intersect. And if we could uh, get closer and closer to making those connections, my goodness, will we be a healthier person for it? But what an interesting concept. My mind is being a little bit blown thinking about at like my budget <laughs> and my journal <laughs> coinciding. But how amazing would that be? It's very empowering, actually. So if you if you include your journaling with your purchasing and your budgeting, they'll become so intertwined that, you know, it'll become second nature to understand, okay, so I'm making this purchase now. I understand why I'm making this purchase and how I ended up where I am in the first place. What's motivating me to get where I am? Again, the motivation, I keep going back to that example of going to the mall. But, you know, sometimes I think, you know, Um, so there's all these off, I'll give you a good example. So I'm looking for new office space, right? And there's office space around this big mall here on Long Island. I'm like, (laughs) I don't want office space over there because I'll be too (laughs) tempted to go and shop during lunch. Or, you know, there's, there's like department stores there. I'll be thinking, oh, I should be going in there having a sale. But if I keep myself away from it, so I know what my triggers are, I become aware that if I see it, then and I vis- and I'm visualizing it's in my face, then I'm going to want it. So if I keep myself kind of away from it and I get a, an office space in an industrial park, <laughs> I'll be 
likely. (laughs) But that kind of example is just, you know, that's my kind of trigger. But for you, it may be something similar or different. The fact pattern is slightly different. But if you could be aware of what makes you trigger by knowing why you're buying what you're buying, it's so empowering. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, if it seems kind of overwhelming to commit to a lifestyle like this, you could just do like a financial journaling challenge where you spend like 90 days. I'm going to track my transactions and like journal about them, you know, emotionally Mm -hmm. and see what happens, see what you can get in just doing it for like a month or two or three months. And then even that complicated. Yeah. It could just be like you could do an emoji next to it, like of your feelings. <laughs> yes. It could you could have a fear emoji, you could have an anger emoji, you could have a sad emoji. Like just put something next to it that identifies that and, and and something that you identify with that could be that identifiable emotion. So it doesn't have to be overly complicated mm-hmm. where, you know, you now you you have in your head, you're visualizing, well, should I lay on the couch and have a Freud-like session about why I'm doing this? <laughs> no, you could just put an emoji next to the purchase. Yes. Yeah. Most budgeting apps will have like a notes section for a transaction. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. What are some alternatives to emotional spending once we start to like identify these patterns? So some alternatives to emotional spending are... Um, you know, you have to find, again, once you identify the ways in which you are triggered by this, you can find ways for healthier outlets. So you could say to yourself, all right, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling this way. 
you know, and I'm feeling, and I'm tempted to go purchase because I'm feeling that, you know, I want to make myself, I'm angry at something that happened and this'll distract me from being angry. That's one way to distract you, but there are other ways to distract yourself from a particular feeling. So you could take a walk, you could do yoga, you could exercise. You know, a lot of it is really being powerful within yourself and your mind to understand once you know what the trigger is, what you could do to make changes to that. And I think that's what's super important. It's really that self-awareness piece and trying to get yourself in a place where you know that, I mean, again, you have to talk to yourself and you have to have conversations within yourself, which is super normal and okay. And you're saying, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I would want to do to make myself feel better. What are some other things that I could do to make myself feel better in the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, talking about it is really important also. So find a friend or a significant other or somebody that you can have a conversation with and say, hey, you know, I'm having a tough day and I'm feeling like doing, you know, this is what I'm feeling like, you know, do you have a few minutes? Can I just talk it out with you? And, you know, if you could, if you could get it out and talk about it, uh, you can write about it. Uh, that's, a, again, another really good way that the process of the additional process of journaling and being really detailed in that. There are great ways for you to um, distract yourself and uh, find healthier solutions than just purchasing. Oh, I love it, Leslie. I think what we're really talking about here is coping mechanisms. And there are healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms and spending unnecessarily on things that we don't want that then leads to that guilt and shame that you were talking about. That's That, that would be on the unhealthy spectrum. Uh, certainly, yeah, there is a spectrum to it, what we could choose to do to bring about care for ourselves or what we think is going to be caring. But I think you make an important point here that I just want to highlight that you need to find healthy outlets. It can't just be, I'm not going to spend. We mm -hmm. do still have to deal with that emotion and we have to replace that spending with something else. And you've just given a fantastic list of verbal processing, writing, self-talk, having some of these things prepared, which I believe we, Jen, Jen and I talked about in our self-care episode, just creating a whole list ahead of time. Again, to highlight your point, Leslie, of we're not doing this in the moment. Uh, we are doing some of this back-end work ahead of time when we're not in that emotionally vulnerable spot. So to be able to have a list already prepared of, I know that getting near water helps me, or I know that walking outside helps me, or I know that petting my animal helps me, whatever it is. Sometimes those things are hard to access when we're in the moment. So already just having a simple list of like, these are the things that I do to care for myself so that when we might be like, okay, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm overwhelmed to just look at the list. There's not a whole lot of thinking that needs to be involved there. Just let me pick something off of this list. What's a low hanging fruit? What's accessible to me right now? Um, and you've given us a great start, Leslie. And I think, I think that you can also, as you buy things, if you start to say to yourself on a regular basis, whether you're, whatever you're purchasing, necessities or wants, say to yourself, why am I buying this? determine what your wants and needs are. And if you start to get in the habit of doing that, you'll start to start, you'll ask yourself under every circumstance, what am I doing and why am I purchasing this? And when you start to get into that habit and a habit forms in about 30 days, mm -hmm. if you can be habitual about asking yourself that question, every purchase, and I mean from gas to, for your car, for everything you purchase, 
So if you start to do that, you start to become super conscious of your purchases because I think that you're so right. You can't, when you're in the moment and you're having one of these um, feelings, it's very hard to turn that off. So if you start ahead of time when things are nice and calm and you can be consistent with the process, then when when the peak comes, when the emotions hit and things go a little more awry, you'll be in the same thought process where you're asking yourself, do I really need this? Is this a want or a need? You know, why am I doing this? And I think if you start treating yourself mentally ahead of time and consistently the self-care on a daily basis, you'll find that you, know, you won't have the same spikes in these emotional needs where you're creating a, where a situation is created that's forcing you into an emotional spending circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which really, as you've identified, turns out to be not not great anyhow. We, we've yeah. got that aftershock emotion of guilt or shame. Or in my situation, I usually sweat. I just like get really sweaty. <laughs> like, oh my word, I just handed over my credit card for something that I probably shouldn't have just bought. <laughs> so you start yeah. to not be able to breathe and you're hyperventilating. It's like, that wasn't <laughs> even fun. You knew you it didn't help. It compounded the, the difficult situation. <laughs> and like now I need deodorant. <laughs> so it much. is very um, it is the spending in general is emotional okay there's so many mm-hmm. that go on spending anything because we're always we are always talking about budgeting where and you know depending on the generation you come from you know money is kind of a newer topic honestly like in in the past money was never talked about so think about how repressed thoughts and feelings had been about money mm. and spending and now we, we talk about money so much more and budgeting and your credit, your credit score, not getting into debt or how to stay out of debt. And those topics are so, they trend all the time. So now it's right in front of you about what is almost a judgmental perspective. Like I shouldn't spend, I shouldn't have credit card debt. I shouldn't have bad credit. And so there's feelings of guilt being almost thrown at you or created. And then those feelings are, you know, internalized coming from older generations who never talked about it. So you didn't grow up necessarily talking about these things. And now you have media and discussions about it, but you're not really sure where they should go. So I think that topic of money spending and budgeting is a very emotional topic topic for people to begin with, because they're not really sure how to compartmentalize what the feelings are that you should have during the process of purchasing and managing your money. It's such yes. a great point to identify where have we come from even, not just what's our personal history with spending and the emotions attached to it, but also digging even deeper to what is my family's financial story and how does that play into the way that I approach purchases or finances or budgeting. And yeah, it's it's all intertwined and we can dive as deep as we want with that. <laughs> totally. Um, I was in a store yesterday and the girl, um, the sales girl said to me, um, my family comes from the idea that if you don't have the money, you don't buy it. So it was mm. so, and I think that goes right to that point where, you know, your families, your, your parents and grandparents had, a had a, had discussions about money, whether they didn't have discussions, that's still, mm-hmm. on top, that's still a discussion if it was quiet or there was comments made like that. And that's imprinted on you from a very young age. And when it's imprinted on you, unless you become aware of that as an adult, it, it carries with you and it does create the motivations and the underlying subconscious behaviors that we have when it comes to our view of money. 
our ideas of money, our, our spending habits. So it is something to be explored. You know, sometimes you might find when you're doing the journaling process and asking yourself why you're buying something, you might actually find that some of it does relate back to your childhood, that some impacts of the thoughts and um, judgments about money may be impacting your emotional spending today. Yeah. I was actually just thinking like when, when I was trying to think of an example of like a emotional spending that might be like really common, my first thought was like, if I had to go spend time with my mom and we were at, if this was like five years ago um, and I had to go spend time with my mom, I would have to stop at Starbucks before every time and like get a latte to make myself feel better because I was just so like anxious about it. Okay, so that's that is, uh, you know, emotional spending. Right. That is emotional spending. It doesn't have to be that you walked into a store and you spent, you know, $100 on a pair of shoes you shouldn't have. It could be emotional spending on a $4 cup of coffee. Exactly. And then, like, how do we combat that? Like, figuring out, like, figuring out that's what you do, like, after a few weeks of recording it. And then it's as simple as figuring out, okay, what's something else that can, like, soothe my anxiety that doesn't cost money? but gets me the same emotional result. Mm-hmm. Um, and or so I better. think this was, yeah, or better, or, you know, maybe going to counseling and, and fixing the, those things, but well, <laughs> if you can't is, do that. And that is a way, and that is a way out too. I mean, there, therapy is, is not a new concept. It's, it's very, um, open and talked about. And therapy is a wonderful tool to help you become insightful and become aware of these things. And then, learn what those triggers are because sometimes these triggers are much deeper and more difficult to deal with just by yourself. And Mm -hmm. you make a really good point going to therapy. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It helps you understand yourself better. And if you can help understand yourself and find healthier ways to manage what those triggers are, you're going to be in it just going to be a healthier person all over. Mm. Knowledge Mm -hmm. is empowering. What we're talking about here of learning ourselves better, it does empower us and helps us to continue on that trajectory of making good, healthy decisions for ourselves. And I love what you're saying here, Leslie, about even the underlying message of it's not about guilt or shame for however you were raised or whatever you your typical approach to money is, but this this message of let's just learn ourselves better and care for ourselves better. And and so with that, if we find ourselves at a place of okay, we just made an emotional purchase and we know it. Like we we've discovered <laughs> all these things and now we know it. What, what would you recommend to somebody who can identify that? Okay, I just did this. How do I recover now? So I think the first step to recovery is not being hard on yourself, is not beating yourself up and saying, I'm a bad person. I I did this. I shouldn't have done this. And, you know, I'm either going to get in trouble or yelled at or, or I'm, or I'm yelling at myself in my own head. The first step is to be kind to yourself and say, okay, I'm really proud of myself for identifying that I just made an emotional purchase mm-hmm. and say, and, and, you know, I try to keep everything really positive and say, because it's baby steps in the recovery process. And once you, you say to yourself, you know, I made this purchase. I'm not a bad person for making this purchase. I'm aware that I did it and I'm really proud of myself for identifying it. Now, what can I do? Now's the time to write down why I'm feeling this. And now you've taken step number two in 
you know, writing it down and you say, I'm really proud of myself that I actually took out the journal and wrote this down. And now going forward, I can make changes going forward. And you can't, you can't go back necessarily and fix the past. You can learn from the past and you could say again, that I understand why I did what I did. And, and I think really being kind to yourself and saying, if I'm feeling stressed about going into a family event, you know, the holidays are coming up again and it's, and, you know, it's an unusual circumstance that we're going to be managing the holiday season this year. So mm-hmm. that may be added stress. So this might be the time of year that you actually start spending more. So now going into it, you could say, all right, now that I've identified that when I see my family, I'm really stressed out and I tend to buy more or, or um, spend more during those times. So what can I do to make myself feel better about it? And I think that's the next step is to really get that understanding. It's really about you, you know, just because somebody else has a feeling or is soothed by um, a resolution to this problem doesn't mean that you are too. But again, be don't be hard on yourself. Be very kind to yourself and forgiving and understanding and understand that the recovery process is sometimes one step forward and two steps back. And I often tell that to my clients when we're resolving debt in general that, you know, we're going to take a step ahead, but you might find we take two steps back, but we'll get ahead. But in the beginning, things are a little bit more challenging because we need to fix some of the issues and I, and fixing some of the issues requires that identification process. And it's all emotional. It's, it is all emotional based. So, um, that's, that would be my recommendation and, and really being kind to yourself. Even learning to be kind to ourselves is such Mm -hmm. a novel concept. It's interesting that you say that. I actually work as a counselor in my day job, and it's something that I often say at the end of sessions to clients is be kind to yourself. And 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 that's not not necessarily an easy thing to do because we're our biggest critics and we're inside our own heads Mm -hmm. and we're criticizing ourselves so often. And again, if you can try to identify that pattern, you know, because you might actually find that the emotional spending, once you've bought and now you're beating yourself up, that the pattern is there, that you're almost making it worse because you made the purchase and now you're angry or disappointed with yourself and you, and you start to almost, um, for lack of better words, beat yourself up for it and be hard on yourself. So you could get in your head and say, you know what? I'm identifying that I have this problem. I know I have this issue and I'm not a bad person because I have this issue, but I want to be kind to myself. I'm going to be kind to Leslie today and say, okay, you made this purchase. It's not the end of the world, but let's figure out how we could fix it. Mm. Yeah. It can become a vicious cycle if we're not careful. And it happens in the debt part too. I, I have that a lot with my clients in debt because what ends up happening is obviously there's a lot of reasons why people get into debt. Emotional spending is one of the reasons why people get end up in debt and have a lot of credit card bills. And I sit with my clients uh, when we can see each other face to face. And in the past, they're crying. It's a very emotional time. They're very hard on themselves. They feel very guilty. They feel there's so many emotions as, as part of that process. And to understand that, that, that it is emotional, I think is a important piece of the puzzle too, that you can't go into this with the idea that you're going to be detached from the process because emotional spending is just that. It's based on feelings. Yeah. I was thinking um, last weekend, actually, I was like, 
every financial decision or question has two answers, a math answer and an emotional answer. And you just have to decide which answer is right for you for each specific question. And I think we always feel so pressured to go with the math answer, what answer makes the most mathematical sense, and we don't consider the emotional answer, and we almost sometimes feel guilty when we choose the emotional answer when it's not the math answer. Right, and that happens a lot in the debt debt world because the debt world is very emotional, and that's where a... Uh, somebody like myself who's looking at it, we call it business decisions, is business versus personal feelings on these things. But someone who can really take that emotion out of it and help you um, make good decisions, you know, when you start to think things through clearly and you remove some of the emotions, it's hard to do that on your own. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not saying be a robot and take all emotion out of everything, yeah. but oh, no. to ensure <laughs> that we're not making decisions purely out of emotions that just perpetuates a problem for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the basis of emotional spending. It's just done because through emotions without a thought process. Mm-hmm. And what, what I think we're talking about is putting a little bit of the thought process into it so that it's not a hundred percent emotional spending. Yeah. Yeah. It's like our brains are, are the friend that like, we see a problem, somebody's having a problem, and we try and help them because we think we know what's best, and then it actually ends up hurting them. That's our brain. Our brain is trying to take over and, like, make a decision for us to try and, like, quote-unquote, help us. Uh-huh. But, like, in the end, it's just not doing the right thing. Sometimes the brain is not always your friend. <laughs> yeah. hmm you know what is your friend and is always the right thing and is always both a combination of personal and professional? <laughs> Best balance. The, the bill, bill of the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Leslie, every week we invite our guests or listeners to share with us their favorite bill. And we know that you've got a good one prepared for us. And we're going to pretend it's like the first time we've heard it. But... (laughs) Okay. Let us know. All right. So, you know, I I really gave this a lot of thought as far as what bill, because I deal with bills every single day. (laughs) I deal with so many bills, uh, mine and others. (laughs) So in the beginning of COVID, um, beginning of the quarantine period of COVID around March, there was so much unknown um, that was going to happen here in New York we were faced with potential lockdown and then ultimately lockdown and the the shutting down of businesses. And that was um, a really challenging time. So I took out my credit card bills for my business. And what I did was I line item every single purchase in the last several months, reoccurring purchases. And what my bookkeeping staff and I did was we highlighted it. We called every single creditor on that list and we asked them what programs did they have? What were they offering at the time under the circumstances? And we called the credit card companies as well to ask them if there were options in reducing the interest rates because even though you might pay your bills off every single month, 
there with that unknown situation, you might have need, we, you know, we're thinking, what if we needed to finance something? Where would we be at if we needed to um, take bills? If there wasn't cash flow coming in, how would we manage the bills? So what, what we did was we went through each one of them and we were shocked. I'm personally shocked at how many of these vendors were willing to give us three months, no payments, three months for free, reduce our interest rates. We turned off programs that we didn't need at all. We realized at times we were being double billed on two different cards for the same service. Mm. And we were able to get a credit back. Um, Believe it or not, our fax service, um, we have multiple fax lines. So there was some confusion on the bills about, you know, the, the fax lines. So it shows up as a fax. So we check it off. But when we called up and we asked them to itemize the expenses, we had them also tell us which bills they were charging us on. And it turned out they were on several different credit cards for the same account. So we were able to get a a refund back. We saved, uh, I have to tell you, I can't, I don't know numbers of what we saved off the top of my head, but we saved a lot of money just by going through those credit card bills on reoccurring payments. I mean, as a business, you have a lot of reoccurring payments every month, but I could tell you that that exercise was one of the best things that happened to us during COVID because we saved money, we consolidated, we reduced our interest rates, and we got rid of things that we just didn't need anymore. Wow. It was an unfortunate reason for that push, but it sounds like such an excellent exercise for businesses or individuals to do on a regular basis, COVID or not. Absolutely. I have to tell you that COVID had so many that the circumstances surrounding COVID, while unfortunate from a health perspective, the reality was what a step back, what a fabulous opportunity for a step back in figuring out what's important financially, you know, Mm -hmm. family wise and, and medical wise as well. But just from a financial perspective, it was a great opportunity to really take a look at rebudgeting. I mean, we rebudgeted several times. We cut out expenses that we just didn't need. We, I trimmed down that budget to almost, you know, what could I get away with that was bare bones billing wise for us? If we needed to be, if we were going to be in a position uh, where we were going to be shut down, who knew how we'd had no idea how long we were going to be shut down for and what the cash flow situation was going to be like. So, it was COVID really from that perspective was, you know, uh, on a positive note of COVID that was really a good experience for us. Wow. Yeah. And there's still more like things that individuals can take advantage of as far as like payment relief and lowering interest rates. Like, no, this is not over. So if you have not done this yet, this is the perfect time to do it. Absolutely. You should be going through your bills. My recommendation is going through your bills on a regular basis and taking a look at every single month what it is that you're being charged for. Remember that some of your, your um, bills are quarterly or yearly, like your homeowner's insurance or, or car, pay, car um, insurance. There are things that come in quarterly or yearly that you may not have seen yet that that March, you know, that March, April, May, June period where things are really challenging that didn't come up. And now in later part of the year, you might be finding that there's more expenses. So this, the COVID situation is from a financial perspective is far from over. And in my experience, it won't be over for years. And there are opportunities right now to take a look at your expenses, your billing, your spending, whatever is on there and look at it and decide what is the most important. Call up these creditors and ask them, listen, I've been a good customer. I've been, I've had your credit card for 10 years or I've been paying every single month and I never missed a payment. What options do you have? Can you lower my interest rate? 
what can you offer me that would um, entice me to stay on as a customer? They don't want to lose. No one wants to lose business right now. So they're going to find creative ways to keep you as a customer as well. So, and if you're having challenges and your, um, your cash flow isn't what it was, call up for balanced billing and call up your utility companies. Don't be afraid to ask. I negotiate everything. Call up every single creditor and just ask yes, them girl. what they're willing to do. The word mm-hmm. that anybody could ever say to you is no. And, and no doesn't always mean no. You could always say, are you sure there's no other options? Is there anything, you know, just ask the right questions. Mm, yeah. No, sometimes means you call back and you talk to someone else. That's very so. true. <laughs> very, very true. Yes. I love it. I love it. Well, if you have a bill for us that you want to share, please visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill and leave us a bill and we will play it eventually on the air. We, we have quite a few right now, but just because you haven't heard yours yet does not mean it's not coming. Mm-hmm. Unless it's just, unless you just call and say, who dis? <laughs> Which I do like those bills too. Yeah. yeah. Someone dials the <laughs> wrong number yeah. and yeah. we get weird messages. It's fun yeah, too. Yeah, sometimes it does come up. I don't know. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Now it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. (laughs) We just yell at our guests on this show, really. Uh, We yell at each other. We yell at our guests. You're from Long Island, though, so I think you're good. Welcome to the family. Um, we are doing something that's a smidge unique for this lightning round because I found this article from Bustle and it has a lot of gifts and it's very fun. 
and it's titled Seven Signs You Might Be Emotional Spending. And so we're going to go through and play Which Emotional Spender Are You? It's a new game Jen came up with. It's a new game I came up with this morning. And we're playing it now. There's no winners, but there's also no losers. Yes. So we're just going to go through these. And then when we come across one that we are, we're going to like ding, 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 and then say why. And you could do that in your car or wherever you're listening to this from. Just be like ding, ding, ding. And then give us your example. You're one step closer to self-knowledge. Yes. Maybe in the Frugal Friends community, uh, you can let us know there on Facebook. All right. First one, you are the instant gratification spender. Everyone likes new things, but if the feeling of instant gratification is a big part of the picture, you might be emotionally spending. In an attempt to inspire happiness and excitement, you might not otherwise feel. No one on the call? <laughs> nope. All right. Cause emotional spender number two, you shop to escape. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So shopping is fun, whether it's online or in a store. It can also be pleasurably distracting to look at storefronts and compare items. But if you do this regularly as a means of avoiding thinking about other pressing issues in your life, it might be a sign you're spending as a Band-Aid. So, <laughs> Leslie, tell us your example. So I find myself, like, at, at night after work, like, since we're really not going anywhere these days, <laughs> I find myself <laughs> on the computer, you know, just, like, looking at, like, online shopping. So um, I spend a lot of time on Amazon. And I'm like... <laughs> And then I get these emails that say the top things to purchase in different categories. And I get all excited about these top things. And I'm, I realize that I'm escaping and that mm-hmm. I'm distracting myself from everything else that's gone on. And, and, I, and I'm so hyper-focused on these items and reading the reviews and going through it. I'm like, wait, I'm like in another world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, yes. I have to um, escape the house while... Travis, my husband, sleeps like during the days on the weekends because he works the nights. And so when I physically escape, like I choose to go to Target or to Aldi or somewhere else that like is pleasurable for me and just like walk around with my son. So I love Target. I have a question for you, though. So when I get into Target, I don't know if you have this experience. As soon as I get there, I feel my brain drain. As soon as I walk in, I feel like there's a sucking machine that sucks out my head. And I walk in and I go, why am I here? And then I of course I need the whole cart. I don't need just the little cart. I take the big cart. And then I start walking around. I get super distracted in the aisles and I'm like off and running. And then all of a sudden I have a whole cart full of things I didn't even know I needed. Yeah, they do that on purpose. Yes. (laughs) And I have gotten a lot better because I've been doing it for so long. Like I can go, I can go into Target, and I'm not bragging, but like I can go into Target for what I went in there for and wow. not come out with anything else. I mean, I like don't want to brag, well, that's a skill. <laughs> but like I could do that. Um, now. Uh, <laughs> this is a side note too, but I have a $15 gift card to Target and I'm not joking. I've been there twice and I can't spend it. 
I know that that makes me just like off the charts. I'm an outlier. Nobody can relate to no us anymore. No one can relate yeah. to me. All I'm of our so listeners, sorry. Jill. But it was such now. a phenomenon. I'm like, why can't <laughs> I spend? And what I think I realized is I did want a lot of things, and a lot of them were more than fifteen dollars. And it's like, oh, I, I, I want this. I, I want to make this a really special purchase. Like, I want whatever I spend this fifteen dollars on to be like really meaningful. I don't just want to buy like a toilet bowl brush with it. And so I just. Ah, can't do it. You want a gift oh with your $15. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. All right. Number three is you're the competitive spender. You feel like your purchases are always competing with others. And it's got this sweet Laguna Beach gift, like throwback if uh if you're old like us, where uh Elsie is trying to buy a golf club and who knows why. But I can only imagine because she's buying stuff to fit in with a crowd or give the appearance that she's of a certain socioeconomic status. Mm. So sometimes I say that that's 100 percent me because it's not like I don't feel like competition with other people. But I do often look like at what, especially online and things that are brought to my attention through social media. I'm like, oh. You know, I saw somebody was carrying a really nice pocketbook the other day and I'm like, oh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I want that. But it wasn't like a, I didn't feel competitive with this person. I mm-hmm. just was thinking, oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. I might want yeah. that too. Sometimes yeah. I feel like that. My dream car is a, is a Lexus uh, RX350, which I, is my dream car after, like once my children go to college. So in like, you know, <laughs> have any money left years. over since I have right? yes. college. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even imagine. Can't imagine. Uh, so, but yeah, that's was like, I want to, I want it to f- purely status. Like there's no reason I need a Lexus, but girl, I'm, well, it's a nice I'm ride. Into- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, you could justify you, those purchases. You yeah. can get it used. We had that very car that's, and yes. we got it used. I know. At a yeah, good you price. did. Yeah. Yes. All right. So spender four, you buy stuff to make a new you. So there's nothing wrong with making changes in yourself, nor is there anything wrong with using things like clothing or hairstyles to express yourself. But it's worth noting that if you're unhappy with the aspects of yourself, buying a quote unquote new you by getting a whole new wardrobe, moving apartments and so on uh, is not the answer to dealing with the real questions you have about yourself. Amen. Not, right. not me. Sorry. Jill, I don't think you're on this list. Now that, now that you've said the gift card thing, I don't know if we're going to find you. Uh, number five, you find yourself buying and returning a lot. The buyer and returner. So return policies are great and they're there for a reason. But if you find yourself frequently buying items and then returning them, it might be a sign the purchases are being made on impulse. No, I find that a deterrent, frankly, because I don't want to be involved in the returning process. Same, so same. much work. <laughs> but that's happening now with COVID. You can't try things on at the store, so you got to buy it, try just, it on, <laughs> return it. That was. I think I just told you that story. Yeah. I had to buy jeans the other week, and I couldn't try them on in the store. So I told the person at checkout, I was like, I'm going to buy these and I'll be right back. Yes. <laughs> so I bought four pairs and then came back and returned two. That's so great. Yeah, you should take that home to your COVID environment at home and then bring it back to the store. Right. I was like, I'm just going to the bathroom. That's it. I'm just going right, right down the road. Um, six is 
spending money in a way to celebrate yourself or the treat yourself spender. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. (laughs) It's totally normal to want to go out and celebrate when good things happen to you, like a promotion or finally achieving a personal accomplishment. However, if you feel like you constantly need to spend money on a new item or experience as a means of treating yourself, it might mean that you're using spending as a way to connect with yourself oh. at a big emotional distance. Wow, deep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't do this often, but <laughs> when I do, yeah, it's definitely a treat myself situation. And also that is related to food. Like I often want food to be a treat. And also you all know if you've been listening for any amount of time, I really don't like cooking. Uh, it feels like a waste of my time the entire process. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I will yeah, yeah. often just, okay, I can, this is fine. Cause I need food, which is true. I do need food, <laughs> but then like, I take it a step further and like, oh, and I need it to really taste good. And I need it to be from this nice place. And yeah, I need to treat myself. Yeah. And we did that. We, uh, just, recently celebrated three years of being debt-free wow, and we went fabulous. out and, and spent money at a, <laughs> getting a nice dinner but we did have a gift card so the gift card paper like half of it, it is worth so. celebrating like i'm no yeah. i don't think that there's any, like and on my birthday i so my birthday recently happened and every year it, it seems that my husband just like takes me shopping which i really don't shop you've you've just heard but on my birthday i just feel like yep Today is the day. If there's going to be any day that I spend money. So I I do go a little hog wild on my birthday, but then that's it. And that that mm-hmm. that's my day to do what I want. I mean, really, I bought necessities. I did. But I enjoyed the process of that and treating myself in that way. Yes. But those all are right. all positive feelings. So it's not like you can't yeah. have any negative feelings. And yeah. it's not on a regular occurrence. Your birthday is one thing. It's if you do the budget and you went crazy and Mm. you put yourself in debt for a year by buying on your birthday, which you could, (laughs) could. then then a different outcome. But I think super smart the way you handle it. Well, thanks guys for this like pep talk. Or if you start spending like, quote unquote, for your birthday, like three months ahead of your birthday, then at that point, you're probably not spending for yeah, your birthday. because usually my husband does buy me a gift and then he takes me shopping and I'm like, how much is this birthday costing us? <laughs> how much is it costing me? Too. I said that to my husband. I said, what are you doing for my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Last spender. And this one's probably my favorite. It's uh, you spend it's the stressed shopper. It says you spend when you're stressed about money. And it has the oh, gif yeah. where the guy is like it says bacon is on sale. So we get it all. And he's just throwing all the bacon into his cart, <laughs> which is obviously if you don't have money, you shouldn't buy all the sale bacon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this one particularly tough to deal with. If you're stressed about money, it can sometimes feel like you're so far in the financial hole that you don't know how to handle it. So what are you tempted to do? Satiate the unhappiness or stress by going out to dinner or upgrading your TV, quote unquote, while you can, because you're unsure what the future holds. And like, this is word for word what I felt while before I started paying off debt. Like I thought, I'm so in the hole, it doesn't matter. So I might as well buy what I have with the money I have now, because eventually I'm going to be in the poor house. So, you know, a lot of cl- that is not what? an uncommon thought process with clients. And what we, we actually try to be very specific because when clients come to us to resolve their debt, they often say, all right, well, 
what's the difference if I'm going to resolve it this way? I'll just max out the card or I'll, I'll take cash advances off my card. What's the difference if we're going to be renegotiating and consolidating or, or refinancing mm-hmm. it or mm-hmm. whatever we're going to be doing with it? And we um, have to say, do not, from this point on, there's no more spending. So even though that is a, that is a very common um, thought process that I'm, I have so much debt anyway, what's the difference if I add to it? Yeah. yeah. It's like putting blinders on. Like it's so much that I can't look at it. So now, now I'm going to know nothing about it and just keep going with how I've right. been going. And yeah, it's yeah. Well, I put a bandaid on the bleeding mm-hmm. or the stop the, stop it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. bleed out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for coming on the show. This was such a great episode. This was so fun, so wise. Um, And where can people find more about you and what you've got going on? So thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And you can find me at my website, which is teenlaw.com. You can also find me personally on Twitter at Leslie H. ESQ, of course, on LinkedIn and um, Facebook, Instagram at teen, T-A-Y-N-E law group. And of course, you're welcome to um, call me, send me emails. The uh, We have a great newsletter that we send out on finances and budgeting and lots of fun tips. So feel free to reach out. Yes, you are everywhere. So wherever wherever you are listening to this from, you can find Leslie somewhere. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. Leslie. Whew. Well, if that wasn't juicy, I don't know what is. (laughs) You described it as both saucy and juicy so far. Are you hungry? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it was excellent. And I would encourage anybody to go get more from Leslie because I think that that was the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, and, and hopefully, as we talked about throughout the episode, this will help you to understand yourself a bit more, how you approach money, what your triggers are. And of course, please engage with us in the Frugal Friends Facebook community group and tell us what kind of spender you are, how you're going to approach journaling alongside finances and kind of that blending of your financial and emotional self. I think Leslie gave some really good tips in there. and I don't want it to fall to waste. So yeah, please let us know how this episode has impacted you and what you're going to do as a result. Yes, please. And thanks so much for leaving your reviews on iTunes and Stitcher too. If this uh, episode helps you in any way, like trigger, like identify some triggers or whatnot, we would love to hear that in a review. Um, kind of like this one from Sarah K two three seven three one eight four two. Yes. Are you it reading just, like <laughs> pi, like the pi number? Uh, that's not pi. I know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 3.14. She says, this just happens to be five stars. She says, love every single episode. This has been my favorite podcast for a while, and I'm finally getting around to writing a review. These two ladies make it feel like we're just friends hanging out and talking about finance over a cup of coffee. I love every episode, but the frugal dating one that just came out gave me so many great ideas for dates with my wife that won't break the bank. Love both of you and everything you do. And then one of those little uh, happy emojis with the hearts on it. Hearts all around. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah, Thanks so much. I am drinking a cup of coffee. So it is exactly as we're talking over coffee. We are. That's literally what we just did. 
We also want to thank our friends who share these episodes on social media. So when you share the latest episode and tag us on Facebook or Instagram, we're going to add you into our monthly drawing. And here's what that monthly drawing is. For every five tags and reviews we get each month, we're giving away a copy of the Frugal Friends Workbook. And in case you don't know, the Frugal Friends Workbook comes with two downloads. So you're really winning if you win this Mm -hmm. drawing. Yeah. So keep reviewing us and leaving us on iTunes or Stitcher, sending it to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to tag us on social. We'll see it. We'll give you a double tap. We'll share it, whatever we can. Mm. See you next week. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced, edited, and mixed by Eric Siriani. You and Leslie have the same birthday. We do. We found, we found, that found this out. out. Yeah. Afterwards, August 21st, we're both Leos. And so obviously we get along. And you were both eating the, the same breakfast, essentially. <laughs> we, were, we both had a cup of coffee and uh, kind of like some sort of healthy fig granola combination that we didn't eat all of. We yeah. both had like a little bit left over. It was kind of scary. Recording. I felt like it I should have left. Like I was like not welcome anymore. I'm like, well, I had some oatmeal. We did have a moment. Yeah. And I think I might start driving to Long Island now. <laughs> <laughs> have, have a good trip. Self-quarantine at, at her place. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. See you soon, Leslie. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.